it is that time of year, you guys, for Christmas. How many of you have finished your shopping and you're done? Yeah? How many actually have them wrapped and under the tree? Okay. All right. Maybe a little, a little bit too early for that, maybe. Uh, it's, it's that time where you start thinking about all those people around you that you love and then get overwhelmed because you like have no idea what to get them. <laughs> and uh, how many of you have ever sent out invitations to a Christmas party? What do you think is like your biggest number that you've ever invited to a big party like that? Maybe it was a wedding. Maybe it was a, a birthday party. Have you sent out invitations and how many people came? Or like this one guy who had this event, put it on Facebook, but accidentally clicked public and thousands of people showed up and they were totally overwhelmed and had you know, nowhere near the amount of food and drink that they needed for all those people. Uh, we, we can sometimes get overwhelmed, but I want you to know we are starting to move into Christmas. And so we are going to be talking about the biggest invitation that has ever been made. And that is by God to everyone. And it is a amazing celebration of salvation, of the amazing plan that he had and that uh, we are going to be looking at this month. Now, each week in this, uh, the rest of this month as we hit toward Christmas, we're going to look at a specific uh, person or, or perspective in the Christmas story. So uh, if you want to join me, go to your app and uh, the Uversion Bible app and click on events, click on North Lakes, and there uh, we have put uh, the outline and the scriptures. Or if you have your Bibles with you, feel free uh, to turn to Luke. So today, our text is quite exciting because if you can put yourself in the moment of this people of Israel, God has been silent for 400 years. You know, the people who were chosen by God, who spoke to them oftentimes through the prophets and through uh, Moses and, and nothing. Since the captivity and the, and the rebuilding of Jerusalem with Nehemiah and some of those later prophets and Micah uh, predicting the coming Messiah, and then nothing for 400 years. But in this text today, God not only speaks, but he reveals this special plan for a, a celebration for all mankind. So we're going to start. Uh, in Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 5. Ready, ready? Here we go. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. That is, that is the tribe of Levi, which are the only ones allowed to be in the priesthood. Uh, that was an aside, sorry. Uh, Verse 6, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both 
very old. Does it remind you of a couple in the Old Testament when the very first one of these miracle births happened? The child of promise from Abraham and Sarah. Look at the parallels. It's kind of fun. Uh, Once when Zechariah, his division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Catch that. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, Hmm, how can I be sure of this? Maybe it was just that bad burrito I had later (laughs) that's causing this. No, he's like, I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. He was smart enough to not actually name her age right there. You know, he's smart, smart husband. But he knows that's not going to happen. Except this is from God. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you're going to be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe me, which will come true. The words will come true at their appointed time. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized he had a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. As you may have guessed, we are going to be talking about and looking at John the Baptist, as he would later be known. John, the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. So skip down to verse 39. After Mary has uh, her revelation and she's become pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, Verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. 
When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my capital L, Lord, should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Skip down to verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, no, no. He is to be called John. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was open, his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. And all the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to his people. He's redeemed them and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies, from the hand of those who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors, to remember his holy covenant the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, as he speaks to this little baby, you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And remember, he spoke this by the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Verse 80, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. So Luke is the one writing to Gentiles, and so as he writes his gospel account of Jesus and and how this all happened, he tends to emphasize the miraculous nature of the event. Because Gentiles, non-Jewish people, were often more convinced or uh, um, impressed or inspired by miraculous or supernatural things in the world. But as we are going to move into Matthew, we will see his writing style is to the Jewish people. And so we'll see this both this week and next week. He tends to emphasize the fulfillment of prophecy because the Jews had all of the prophets, the writings from the Old Testament, and that's what their Bible was. That's what they studied 
from God's word. And so Matthew emphasizes how over and over God's prophecies were fulfilled in this event. So uh, we're going to move into Matthew, um, I believe it's chapter 1, verse 2, I guess. Ready? In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. Isaiah 40, verse 3. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a, a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, Oh, well, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the foot of the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. He goes on to say, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, Look, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? And Jesus said, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And so John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That's from Matthew chapter 3. We are already seeing this personality coming out in the calling of John the Baptist. Did you catch early when Zechariah was prophesying that the angel told him, this son of yours is going to come in the power and the spirit of who? Elijah. Do you remember Elijah from the Old Testament at all? I'm just checking with you. I don't want to assume he was a prophet in the Old Testament that was kind of famous for winning the battle of my God is better than yours. You remember that one on the top of Mount Carmel where the prophets of Baal were worshiping Baal and, and he was worshiping God and he said, here's, here's a, a, a contest. Here's a, a game we're going to play. And they will pray to their God and if their God would set their altar on fire and burn up the sacrifice, 
then their God was the real God. But if Yahweh, the God of Elijah, was the real God, then he would be the one that would light the altar on fire. And so he said, you guys go first. And so they tried to get Baal to set the altar on fire. They danced around. They cut themselves, bleeding all over the place, begging. And so Elijah, he was not necessarily tactful. He was actually uh, kind of in-your-face kind of personality. And he said, so maybe your God's asleep. Maybe your God's on the toilet. I don't, maybe your God isn't really a God at all. And so they finally gave up. And then during a three-year famine or drought, rather, where there hadn't been rain and water was precious commodity, he asked them to pour water over the altar of God. And they doused it in the wood. It was wet. They had a ditch that was a trench around it, and it was also filled with the water surrounding the sacrifice. And he said, God... I know you, you're really the God who I worship, and I know you hear me, so show everyone who's really God. And fire came down from heaven and consumed not only the sacrifice, but the wood, and not only the wood, but the stones and all of the water that had filled the trench. God... <laughs> spoke through Elijah in very powerful ways, very bold ways, very unpopular ways in the culture, in the society. And he was often the guy who would call fire down from heaven on his enemies. And so John the Baptist is kind of walking in the spirit of Elijah here. He is a, a normal uh, person who is raised in the church raised in the temple, and he's not the person who's going to be found as a rabbi, popular in the community. No, he's outside in the wilderness. He's out in the woods, and he's by the river, and he's calling people to repent of their sins, to fall on their face, to get right with God, because his job is what? To prepare the way for the Lord. Now in John chapter 1, sorry, this is, John the Apostle, the fisherman, writing about John the Baptist, and check out how he describes John. All right, are you reading with me? Starting with verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself, John, was not the light. He came as a witness to the light. John testified concerning him, and he cried out, saying, This is the one I was talking about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Which doesn't make sense, but we're going to talk about that next week. Out of his fullness we have received grace in place of grace already given, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Now, this was John's testimony. When the Jewish leaders, skip down to verse 19, 
in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. People were starting to come out to him thinking, oh man, this is the one. This is the Messiah. Check out how powerful he is. He is definitely going to be the one to overthrow Rome and lead our people to freedom. By the way, when I was in Sydney, I just have to tell you this. We got, uh, we got mixed up and went the wrong way, and we ended up in the middle of a protest. So just in order to cross the street, because thousands of people were walking and blocking the way, we crossed the street, and we are like, freedom, freedom. Okay, we crossed the street. We're good. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> but this, this message from John was about the freedom of the people of Israel, and they thought he was the Messiah to bring freedom physically, politically, in the oppression of Rome. And they ask him, are you the Messiah? And he's like, no, I'm not the Messiah. Verse 21. Then they ask him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not. Are you the prophet? In other words, referring to Moses. And he's like, no. Finally, they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied, in the words of Isaiah, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. And so the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, well, then why do you baptize if you're not Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? And he said, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you don't know. He's the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. And this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptized. So uh, let me sum up the next part because the next day John comes, or Jesus comes rather, and John sees him from a distance coming by. And John tells all of his people, look, 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 there he is, the Lamb of God who is to take away the sins of the world. This is the one I was talking to you guys about. This is the one. So John gave this spirit, uh, or gave this testimony, verse 32, I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself didn't know him, but the one who sent me to baptize told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify, this is the Son of God. Ah, There's so many things, you guys. And, and I know we're reading a lot of scripture, but sometimes the best thing, whether it's privately or publicly, is to make sure you read all of it. Read the context so that you're not skipping anything. Make sure you understand what's going on in the story. So just a little bit later in chapter 3, I want you to catch this, because this is where we're going next with John the Baptist and Crispus. John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves testify that I said, I am not the Messiah but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom, and the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is filled with joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. 
He must become greater. I must become less. Verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. I love how God puts these details of all how the story comes together and all the people involved. It started with Isaiah. Do you remember? Do you realize that's 700 years before this happened? God was setting the stage, even back in the time of Isaiah, that he was going to send a messenger to prepare the way for the Lord before Jesus comes before the Messiah. And then later, as we see in this text that we just read, God specifically named John as that guy who was fulfilling that role in history. And so if we look at John the Baptist and we see so many cool things about his story, I mean, if we wanted to, we could spend time talking about how he is like the best case study for unborn children having purpose and being loved and known by God and that all children and all of us have a plan by God for us in our lives that he wants to fulfill. We could go there. Maybe we could instead focus on the role of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it cool that John and Jesus, who are cousins, by the way, have a Holy Spirit high five in utero <laughs> when he enters the room and and Mary speaks John inside of the womb of Elizabeth says whoo whoo that's the one she's carrying Jesus the the Messiah and the Holy Spirit comes over both of them and they both prophesy at different times Zechariah all fulfilling and confirming that the Holy Spirit was doing his work. We could do that. Or maybe, even though John denies being Elijah, like reincarnated, he is in the spirit of Elijah, right? As Jesus said, preparing the way for the Lord. What do you think it looks like to prepare the way for the Lord? I started thinking about that, and the best illustration I could think of, and of course it's in my wheelhouse, is gardening. When you plow up the dirt and dig it up to get it ready for planting the seed, that's kind of like preparing the way for the Lord. And so John, his task was to say the hard stuff, to really get in people's face and say, look, you need to repent. You got sin going on in your life. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. You need to get right with God. And he had such a positive, powerful response. People are like, yeah, I do need to get right with God. And they were ready for when Jesus came. And that gets us to the next part. Um, let me just skip down. Uh, probably maybe even skip in the notes. Uh, I'm going to skip to this quote in chapter 30 chapter 3 verse 30 of John and this is where I want to land with preparing the way for the Lord when people ask John about Jesus and when Jesus showed up remember what he said look there he is there's the one that's the one 
you need to follow. So his humility really comes out. Listen to this verse. He must become greater. I must become less. Other translations uh, read, he must increase. I must decrease. I think that inspires me. Uh, We need to do the same thing. Everything we do and say needs to point to Jesus, not to ourselves. John was in the most popular uh, pinnacle of his ministry. All the people were going to him. He was very popular as a personality. Everyone was listening to him preach and teach. But when it came time for Jesus' ministry to begin, he said, you know what? Go follow him because he's the one I came for. He's the one I prepared the way for. He must increase. I must decrease. He must become greater. I must become less. How about us? Do we have that same boldness and humility? A beautiful combination we find in John, by the way. To say the truth, but to not make it about us. It's about Jesus. When we look at that type of humility, we know then why Jesus would say what he said. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 11. This is our last verse. We'll read together. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? (laughs) No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. So what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and even more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Wow. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. You see, some people went out to John to be entertained. And some went out to John to try to catch him in saying something wrong, sent by the Pharisees, sent by the Sadducees, in order to catch him maybe saying something that wasn't uh, traditional or scriptural or biblical. But then there's the people who went out whose hearts were broken and the plow of the Holy Spirit and Elijah brought them to their knees and they walked out in the water and they were baptized because they wanted to get even closer to God. They wanted to be right with God. And then Jesus comes along. (laughs) But that's next week. So today, as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, let's do three things in the spirit of John, Elijah, the Baptist. Ask the Spirit to plow our hearts. Is there something that we need to get right with God to prepare the way for the Lord? 
we got to start with ourselves, right? I mean, when I look in the mirror, I know the stuff that I've messed up, things that I've said and done that didn't come off the right way and hurt people or something. (sighs) Let's repent of those moments as we did with communion and we take the blood and we remember that he died for us and we are his children. We belong to him. Second thing, let's be bold enough to speak the truth because there are people who need desperately to know that Jesus loves them, that God has a plan for them. And sometimes the truth isn't popular, but it's absolutely powerful because even though you might not like when someone calls you out, don't you think through it while you're laying in bed that night and you wrestle with it and you struggle with it. Maybe you get angry. Maybe you try to dismiss it. But then that still small voice of Jesus says, hey, let's work on that together. And that's why it's so important to teach and speak the truth in our relationships, at work, in our family, wherever it is, Jesus needs to be the one we're pointing at. And that's our last one. Number three, let everything we do and say point to him, not at ourselves, not about what I've done or how great of a guy or how great of a girl I am or how great of a wife or a husband, but rather let's do everything with our purpose to say, look, I just am reflecting the light of Jesus in my life. I'm reflecting the spirit of God that he put in me. Let's pray. God, I love you so much. And I thank you so much that you were willing to work out this plan. And God, we look at John the Baptist and he was so radical. He was outside the box doing things that people didn't like, didn't want to hear, but it was for a purpose. And God, I ask that you help us to find our purpose and our place as we look forward to celebrating this birth of your son that we celebrated Christmas. And we know that there was work that had to be done before your son was born, before he came into the scene. And God, we thank you for John the Baptist and all that he did and help us to learn that same humility. I must decrease, but Jesus, Jesus must become greater and increase. God, thank you for North Lakes. Thank you for all the ones that were able to come. And uh, Lord, I just pray that a blessing on those uh, that aren't able to be here for whatever reason. And uh, let us look forward to seeing each other again this week and next Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Merry Christmas.